0: Says, hearken! Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell by stony ground, there it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit. That sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Verse thirteen and he said unto them Know ye not this parable and he went and how he then will ye know all parables The sower soweth the word and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown but when they had heard Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that the sow that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on the stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and care the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of the things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. These are they which are sown on good ground. Such hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirty, sixty, and some a hundred. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the offspring of the spirit father for the next few moments we pray that you will grace us with your anointing and your presence we know that you've anointed and has called us to preach but we ask you tonight for the unction that causes the word of god to become effective allow the word to find a lodging place in each and every one of our hearts this night allow the holy spirit to touch us quicken us empower us that we may be able to do greater things for you in the earth we give you the praise and the thanks for it in Jesus name and amen amen praise God the Bible said in Psalms chapter 1 blessed is the man who walketh not in the uh, counsel of the ungodly nor sits in the seat of the sinner but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he shall um, be there and meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree that is planted by the water And he shall bring forth fruit in his season, and his leaves shall never wither, and whatsoever he does, it shall prosper. Wouldn't you like for that to be you tonight? and All three of you. Amen. I said, wouldn't you like for everything you do to prosper? Amen. Everything, everything. Whatever you touch, it prospers and be blessed. John 15 and 1 said, I am the true vine. If he has to tell us that he is the true vine, there must be a fake vine. My father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth no fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he prunes it. And that it may bring forth more fruit. You see, God is after fruit production. The Holy Spirit in us, it's His job to, to prune us. It is His job to take away those things that are withdrawing and, uh, from our lives, our spiritual lives that are not being productive. Whenever I was growing up at home, part of my job was to help my grandfather in the garden. I never uh, figured out as a young boy why you had to get up when the sun got up to work in the garden. But uh, Granddad always insisted that soon as the sun come up, you be in the garden and working. And part of the garden process was that we had to cut back the tomato plants. He said that there was certain uh, parts of that tomato plant that he called suckers. And he said that It would be all right. They will produce smaller fruit. But he said if we want good tomatoes, then we've got to cut the suckers off because it will drain this plant from the nutrients that will produce uh, good tomatoes. And so we would take a knife, a sharp knife, and cut those suckers off so that we would be able to have good uh, tomatoes come time of harvest. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He is to come and cut the suckers off. He comes and he takes away from us the things and cuts away from our life the things that it may not be so bad, but are fruit becomes stronger. We, we produce more and better fruit because of some things in our life that had they let, been let go, might be all right, but we would never produce the type of fruit that God is looking for. He tells us in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33 that you shall know the tree by the fruit it bears. But often there is no fruit Often the fruit is scarce, it is sickly. Oftentimes God is disappointed because he has invested so much in the tree. How mean, know that, that uh, the, in the Bible when you study it that man is referred to as a tree even more than he's referred to as a sheep? And so he is talking to us about this fruit, this tree, and and God sometimes is disappointed by the investment he has made in the tree. And yet so little uh, reproduction, so little uh, fruit that is being produced. And we suffer sometimes from crop failure. And the reason that many are not producing healthy, full, uh, ripened fruit is because they have not conceived the Word of God. And the reason that we haven't conceived the Word of God is because the ground is poor. Amen. The condition of the ground is not the Word, the seed is always good. It's the Word of God. Amen. It's not the condition is not the seed. The condition is the soil in which the seed is being planted into. And so here we see that the ground is poor. The condition of our hearts is poor. And he goes on and tells us here that of these three different types of, of hearts that you can find within people, it mentions three different poorly uh, prepared, poorly conditioned soil, soil that yields no fruit. And the type of, that represents uh, people, he says it's people that are by uh, the pathway or pathway people. It it is the land that is alongside the pathway, the sidewalk, if you will, of life that has been traveled and beaten down by... Travelers that are going on their way and it is a waste of time for the gardener to try to plant anything within that soil because the seed will never penetrate the surface. It is because of the that it's been traveled so much that the soil will never allow the seed, no matter how good it is, to penetrate into the surface and remains on top of the ground. And these are the people that are for the birds. They never receive the Word of God. They never receive it into their hearts. Their hearts have become hardened. And it's easy for the birds or the the prey, the fowl, the, the evil one, the enemy, to come and steal away the seed from our hearts because it has never taken root, it has never got beyond the bedrock of our hardened hearts. And the end result is that we are barren from this because the seed has never got into the soil to produce and germinate and reproduce from the seed that has been sown. And they allow people and circumstances and situations to harden their hearts until they cannot receive the Word of God. They sit dry-eyed. They sit unmoved. How many know that we live in in a society, in a culture that's unmoved? We, we, we live in a time whenever you can be eating a, a steak and potatoes at your kitchen table and watching a war with people being blown up at the same time and be unmoved. We, we've been conditioned to where we, we are unmoved by circumstances so we can look at the poor and never be moved. We can see the hurting and the broken. And never be moved. And then we come up in our churches and we hear the word of God that should bring life, but yet we're not moved because our hearts are conditioned to be hardened. Our hearts are conditioned to a place that we see that, that there is no indifference. We, we just go through the motions and through the routines and we become stubborn and we become proud and we become ill-willed. And we come into the house of God with uh, all of these things going on in our life and then we cannot receive the word that comes to us. You see, we hold on to unforgiveness and animosity and we hold on to grudges and we hold on to past the fences, and it causes that soil of our hearts, if you will, to become clogs of hard dirt that the Word of God cannot penetrate. And the only hope for receiving seed into that soil, the only hope of ever bringing about a harvest is for that ground to be turned over. Hosea said in 10 and verse 12, break up the fallow ground. Break up the hardened ground. How do you break up the hardened ground? The Bible said Judah plows. You see, it's more than just going through rituals. It's more than just singing songs. It's more than repetition waiting until we get to the right time or waiting for uh, people to get in that's running late. But Judah breaks up the soil, always breaks up the soil. That's the reason why it's so important. And I know that I'm, you know, it's contrary to what most preachers will tell you. But if there's anything going to be shortened in the service, it should be the Word of God. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, why I ain't never heard that? Well, because the only thing that God ever gets out of a service, uh, anything out of, is our worship. And it is the soil, amen, that has to be tilled up. It has to be broken up, amen. Peter got up and preached on the day of Pentecost and just preached a few words. And 3,000 people got saved. We preach, you know, they fasted and they worship for 40 days. He preaches, what, maybe a 10-minute message and 3,000 people get saved. We preach for 40 days, worship for 10 minutes, and nobody gets saved. But whenever we begin to worship God, it breaks up all. How many know it's easy to get hardened hearts? Oh my God, with all that we go through, with all of the difficulties of life, all of the stress and the strain and the struggles of just walking through this life, it's easy to get a hardened heart, but we've got to come into His presence and begin to worship Him. And when we do, it breaks up the fallow ground of our hearts. It breaks up the hurt. It breaks up the brokenness. It tears apart the soil that has become hardened and encrusted by water. Walking through life to where we can receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls, Amen. Then we have rocky people, Amen. Rocky people. Verse five and six, and verse sixteen and seventeen. The modern terminology would be called this marginal soil. It is the soil that's been cultivated. It has been at an enormous cost. It isn't something that's easily done, but it's something that there has been a lot of investment into. And at an erroneous cost, it has been cultivated. And tender care has been given to it. And yet, the results are marginal. Lots and lots of seed has been sown. Handfuls and handfuls of seed have been put into this ground, and yet there is a marginal reproduction. There is a marginal harvest back off of the investment that has been placed into it. Why is this? Because it is riddled by stones. The problem is that it has no depth to it. Amen? Amen. It has no, the, the seed has not penetrated into the surface very deeply. And because of the bedrock or the hard stones that lie there, we see that there is not a great harvest. There is too much rock for it to take root. There's too much beneath the little marginal soil surface, if you will, lays a bedrock that is not being able to be penetrated. The rockiness is resistant to the Word of God. Amen. After time, it does not spring up quickly. It appears it's going to get off to a, or it does spring up quickly. It looks like it's going to get off to a quick start only for it to die. How does it die? Because the heat, the sun comes out. How many have ever watched people wither in the heat? They wither under pressure. It's because of the bedrock underneath the soil they started. But you began to run well. But what did hinder you, Paul said? You started running the race real strong. But what's happened to you? You used to worship real good, but what what stole your praise? What's what's kept you from hungering after God? Have you learned everything you need to learn? Do you know everything? What is it that's caused you to wither under the heat and the pressure of the day? Because there is no root system when the blazing sun begins to heat up the sky. It begins to scorch the tender plant and leaves it barren on the ground. And there is nothing to show for your efforts. Amen. But I want to tell you today that we must sow the seed, but we must plow up the ground first. The ground must be prepared. What is the ground? It is the soil of our hearts. Amen. And we break that soil up so that it has a lodging place. Because if we're not careful, we'll work and we'll work, but we will have no reward. Amen. I've dropped word into many shallow, superficial souls. At first you see results, but too soon... It's gone because it was just a surface experience. Just a superficial relationship. When the emotion goes, they're gone. This is Wednesday night. Amen. It's that, that, it more than just feeling good. Right? Right? But people run after feel good. But I want to tell you that there comes a time when you've got to get the roots down into the ground so you can stand in the heat of the day. Amen. You've got to get the roots down below the surface so that when it doesn't rain for a long time, you can take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. Whenever it seems like you say, God, where are you? And it seems the heavens are brass. It seems like there hasn't been rain in months, days, or even year. But praise God, you know that you're planted not on just a feeling, not on an emotion, but you are planted in the word of God. And you say, I like David, I shall not be moved. I'm staying right here, baby. I may not have everything that I believe in God for. It may not all be going the way I thought it was going to go, but I'm staying right here, baby. Darkness can only endure for the night, but when the sun comes up, I'm going to be right here in the house of the Lord. I'm going to stand by night with one hand without wrath and the other without doubt, standing in faith and saying, I know that my Redeemer does live and that He is going to take care of me. Hallelujah. You see, it's got to be more than just a surface experience because after the thrill and the chill wears off, amen, you've got to know in whom you believe. Amen. It's good to feel, isn't it? I like feeling the presence of God. I love feeling His anointing and His Holy Spirit. And I wish I woke up every morning to bluebirds singing at my door. But the truth is, sometimes I open the door and that's the devil. It's hell. Come on, somebody. Amen? It's no birds. If it was, it's a demon bird. Amen? But I've got to know, yeah, I've got to know that I'm still saved. Not because of my feelings. Not because of goosebumps, not because His present, but because I'm rooted in the Word of God. Amen. And so you see, we've got to be in that place where that we get just get mature and we begin to understand that it's not just about the moment, but it is about eternity. You just don't know what it's like when you give everything you've got. When you preach your heart out. And when you've stayed up sleepless nights to get a word from God. And sow into soil. And not see a harvest. Amen. To, uh, you know, and I'm not saying this to say, oh, feel sorry for pastor. That's not what it's about. I'm telling you that, that, that I prepare just as much for Wednesday night as I do Sunday morning. Because to me, Wednesday nights, just as important as Sunday morning is. And yet some people don't feel like they need to come on Wednesday night. Amen. But how many know the word of God is true? If it's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Now, now before you run off and telling somebody, oh, pastor, God talking about you Wednesday night. Amen. I understand folk work, right? I understand folk got things to do, but I also understand we've lost a commitment to the house of God. Because what I've learned is folk can find time to do what they want to do. Amen. Amen. And and what, what is devastating to me is sometimes I know things because I'm pastor. People confide in me. Other times I know things by the Spirit and know how desperately people need the Word, but yet they won't come get the Word. But if somebody's sick and they tell you, you need to go to Cleveland Clinic, they'll get in a car and drive six hours, and that ain't no too far because you think maybe that doctor can fix you. Come on, somebody. And if, and if you need you need work, we've got folks that drive an hour and a half, two hours to get to work. Half for years, and and that's commendable, right? But then thirty minute drives too far to come to get a word from God. I'm just preaching a little bit. I'm just talking. Amen. We can get busy with things that don't produce anything. Amen. And I know, you know, this thing, I've talked to you about it before. I'm busy. Oh, shut up. Who isn't busy? Did anybody sleep till six o'clock here today and just get up to come to church? I mean, all of us are busy, right? We all got work. We all got life. We've all got things to do. But we've set aside time to come in because we need the Word of God. We need to worship. We need the fellowship of heaven. And we've determined that, yeah, there are a lot of other things we like to do, but we put priority on the house of God. And we said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord amen well I'll get off of that thorny people look at your neighbor and ask him are you thorny now be careful how you say that are you thorny because the seed is choked because of the weeds and the thistles Palestine had over 200 species or undesirable weeds. And they were often referred to as thorns, thistles, briars, and brambles. Matthew chapter 7, in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus asked in verse 16, Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs of thistles? People are lost in the weeds. And Jesus mentions three types of weeds in verse 19. The cares of this life, worries, or interests of this world. Like death and taxes, you can't get out of worry. You can't escape the cares of this world. Amen? You kid yourself if you think that Children of God are exempt from stress and strain. Those that live godly will suffer persecution. Those that tell you that life as a Christian is just a bubble free trip, they're crazy. uh, Psalms 34 and 19 said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. John 16 and 33, he said, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. I tell you tonight, Second Timothy tells us, they that live godly will suffer persecution. Amen. If you don't have a care now, just hold on because one will come your way. Amen. Trouble has a way of showing up at your door, but don't allow the cares of the world to drag you down. Don't tell your cares uh, carry your cares of yesterday, letting them linger into your today, and but don't but bury them in the tomb of time. And don't allow your concerns of tomorrow to steal your today. Amen. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reassures us that our Heavenly Father knows that we require shelter, food, and clothing. And since He provides it adequately for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, He said, why are you worrying? Because you're more precious to me than many sparrows. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. And today I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen. The second and the third are similar. The deceitfulness of riches. The attractions. Excuse me. The covening of things. There is a magnetism to materialism. It pulls on you to make you feel like if you drive a certain car, you've arrived. If you've got a bigger house, if you've got the nicest house in the community, you've made it. And there is nothing wrong with things as long as things don't have you. But many Christians are misunderstanding wealth. Wealth in itself is not wrong. Riches are not wrong. But there is true riches. Riches that won't fade away when you're gone. Amen. There is true riches. True riches cannot be seen by the natural eye. But true riches are those things in which are embedded into your soil, in through the Word of God and through the presence of God and through the gifts of the Spirit that will empower you to do what nothing else can do in your life. The problem is one's attitude toward wealth. Riches have the capacity to distort our thinking. Riches can blind you of eternal values. They can dominate our desires. Riches can cause us to misdirect our trust. And you start trusting in riches instead of trusting in the one that gave you the riches. Psalms 20 and 7 said, Some trust in horses and others in chariots, but I will remember the name of the Lord. Riches have a subtle way of suggesting that they can provide serenity. But it's interesting that even wealthy people seem to not be able to rest. And if they aren't worried about losing their wealth, they're worried about getting more. <laughs> Is it true? And if we got two-car garage, we think we need a three-car garage. Jesus talked about this problem in Luke chapter 12 when he talks about the rich fool. Wanted to tear down his barns and build bigger barns so he could contain more wealth. Amen. I'll have much good, I'll have much goods, and I'll lay them all up, and, and I'll have it for many years. I'll take it easy, I'll eat, I'll drink, and I'll be merry. Amen. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit wants us to depend upon God every day. And he said, pray this day our daily bread. Amen. And so I depend upon him every day. It doesn't mean that, that we don't uh, take care of our finances, right? It doesn't mean that we don't uh, do uh, the due diligence with our finances and different things. But whenever we begin to get greedy. Amen. God doesn't give us so that we can hoard it up. He gives us so we can give. Amen. Never in the history of man has any civilization used its mind and strength to innovate more luxuries than what we have today. The new and improved. (laughs) Right? The new and improved dishwashing liquid. I got to have it. The new and approved bed, and I've got to get me another one. The new and improved phone, what you need another phone for? That new one can't do nothing, the one you got in your pocket or purse can't do. But we're talking about luxuries, we've got to have them. People are sitting tonight trying to figure out how they're going to get your paycheck next week with more luxuries, some gadget, some gimmick, something that, that you've just got to love and more extravagant than what you've had. But I want to say to you tonight that why don't we... That, that, maybe that's okay, but my, my problem is why aren't we that way for the things of God? Why aren't we... And I've got to have His presence. I, I, God, make me more aware of Your presence. Fill me. Consume me with your, this atmosphere. Overwhelm me. God, I want to be extravagant with my worship. I want to be extravagant with your presence. Be real in my life. Let me know you greater than I've ever known you. I've got to have more of you. Amen. And whenever we become to that place, then we begin to understand that we are not mesmerized with all of the things that are superficial, but we understand what really matters is that we know God. We have his presence. He is real in our lives. And when the sun comes out and when all of hell assails us, when life happens to us, we don't wither and fade away, but we're standing by night in the house of God. We are walking. Worshiping him without fear and without doubt and saying like Job of old, though they slay me, I'm still going to trust him. I've got my confidence in him. You've got to know him, baby. When all of hell is coming against you and saying, I ain't backing up devil. I'm going to stay right here and bless the name of the Lord. Amen. When things don't go your way, you've got to know that God is real or you'll back up, you'll give up and you'll just say, oh, that's not for me. But when you come to pursue him with a passion in your heart, the Holy Spirit will seal that in you and you will know that he is God no matter what happens in your life. But it's interesting how we'll settle for second best when it comes to the things of God. Just give me enough to get to heaven. how much can i get away with and not go to hell and still go to heaven how much bitterness can i hold on to how much how much grudge can i hold on to and still be all right How long can I be in the kingdom and not produce kingdom fruit? And He not cut me off. He said, the third type is good ground. Say good ground. ground. To receive seed, three things are required. First, you must recognize His word. Don't equate God's word with man's word. Amen. It's God's word. All scripture has been given by inspiration. Amen. Holy men of God spake as they were, uh, as the anointing came upon their life, as they were inspired to do so. John 6 and 63 said, the word that I would speak unto you, you they are spirit and they are life. And whatever else is... uh, preoccupying your thoughts, you've got to lay it aside. Whatever else is trying to get in and so you cannot hear the word of God, you've got to give it up and you must receive his word. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superficiality and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your soul. Amen? Amen. You see that word engrafted. uh, You know, I'm just an old country boy. Y'all know that. But I know about grafting because, you know, granddad showed me that too. And you can take an apple tree and graft in a peach limb. And it will produce fruit. And whenever I, 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 I on my own am no good, my righteousness is filthy rags. What I can produce, come on somebody, isn't, don't mount to anything. But whenever, Pastor Rich, I take the word of God and it engrafts into me. I am able to produce what Brian Matthews cannot produce. I produce fruit, amen, that is not of me, but it is of the one who is engrafted into me. Amen. So I receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save my soul, that causes me to produce much fruit in due season and brings glory and honor to Father God. Amen. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I don't believe him. Two words for receive here. One means to grasp, to take the word. He uses this. And then he the second word, it means to receive as a friend into your home. So the first word for receive here, it means to grasp or to take it. Right? It's kind of like the kissers and the clingers. One of them grabs the word and takes it. But the other one receives it as a friend and says, go home with me today. Come on. Let's go. Come on over to my house and stay. Here's the difference. You can take it into your mind, your intellect, and never profit from it. But when you receive it into your spirit and into your soul, you become the beneficiary of the word that has been engrafted into you. And that word abides with you. James is saying it's not enough for you just to have a book on the shelf. You can even commit it, commit it to memory. And you can have all of the intellectual teaching and and talks and discussions that you want. But until it gets into your heart, it will not change anything about you. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside of the Word of God to bring it into our hearts. And when we receive the engrafted Word of God, it implants that Word and it, it becomes a part of us. And then the Holy Spirit comes because the letter killeth, but the Spirit brings life. Amen. And that's what the, 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 a lot of times folks get all messed up is because they try to live by the letter. But the letter will kill you. But the Spirit brings life to the Word. Amen. It's the Word that is used when speaking of a skin graft. And, and the skin graft is that where it merges good, healthy skin on top of the damaged skin. And when the skin takes graft or it takes root... It's there. It's attached. It cannot be removed. And James said that's the way the word's got to be. You can't departmentalize your life and just take the word with you, but it's got to be you. And when it becomes you, the Holy Spirit will come and partner with the word, and your life will be changed, and you will bring forth much fruit. James is writing to Christians. So why all this talk about saving the soul? Because redemption is one in the past tense, but it's also in the present tense, but it's also in the future tense. You have been saved. When you knelt down and gave your heart and life to Christ, he said that when you did that, you became a new creature. Old things passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You're a Christian. But then Ephesians 2 and 8 said, For by grace are you saved. You are saved right now. Amen. If you died, you would go to heaven. You were saved. You are saved. But 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 said, for, we, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Beloved, now you are the sons of God. Amen. And so we are being saved as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Our suke, soul, suke, mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit has been saved. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions are being saved. And your flesh is always going to hold out. Well, pastor, I've got my flesh under control. Liar, liar. Amen. Amen. This flesh is going to war with the spirit as long as we're in the earth. But let me tell you this, what you cannot conquer, you've got to learn how to control. How do you control it? By the spirit. receiving the word of God, let it become part of me and the spirit of God rises up in me. Amen. And when the flesh wants to act up, wants to act ugly, the Word rises up in me. The Holy Spirit quickens me. Amen. And, I, and my thoughts don't run wild. And my eyes aren't pondering on things they shouldn't. And my ears aren't listening to things they shouldn't hear. And as a response, nothing's come, the things are not coming out of my mouth. Right? I'm just pastoring a little bit tonight. And it doesn't happen overnight. But as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, our soul is being saved. It's not enough to be exposed to truth. You must act upon it. comply to his word yeah. obey it yeah. say so, well I, I just wish I could get a fresh word there ain't no need of you getting another word till you act on the word you've already got yeah. amen and when we act upon the word that God has already given us then we'll get fresh bread Fresh word, another word to respond upon. Amen? Don't look for a bumper crop until you're willing to let God get the junk out. If you're not willing to let the Holy Spirit come and get those rocks out and break up that hard and fallow ground, you're not going to get the bumper crop that God intends for you. You're not going to get the hundredfold. You're not going to receive the blessing that God has until the Holy Spirit is is allowed to get into your life and remove the rocks and take out the stumps. Amen? Get the mess out. Well, Pastor, I've tried and I just can't do it. That's the problem. You, You can't get it out. Somebody really hurts you. You can't. You can't forgive them. You can't love them. But the Holy Spirit comes, gets that hardened place out of you, so you can love them like nothing's ever happened. Amen. How are you going to be able to do it? How are you going to be able to forgive? How are you going to be able to forgive? We're conditioned that it's our right to respond this way because this is what's happened to me. And we are controlled by our flesh. But the Spirit of God says, I want you to bring forth much fruit but you've got to be willing to allow my Holy Spirit to come and clean up the soil, till up the fallow ground so that when the seed comes into your life, it'll bring forth a hundredfold return. Our nation is paying the bloom payment on generations past. that have not had boundaries and limits in our lives. And as a result, we see today what it has produced in this generation. And we've got to get back to a place, boundaries are not bad. You know, if you don't have boundaries, if you don't have banks, Brother John, all you have is a swamp. But when you have a, a strong boundary on the right and a strong boundary on the left, it'll cause a river to flow. And we've got to get back to a place where that we have some kind of form of, of boundaries in the church. Where that we say, Holy Spirit... Bank it up on the right and bank it up on the left and allow your Holy Spirit just to flow like a rushing river down my life and let me bring forth fruit in season. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I've done my best tonight to share what you've put in my heart to share. I ask you now that you would just honor your word And God, that you would help each and every one of us. That we would be that reflection of you. That we would be that witness. That we would say yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, to your will, your ways, your wants, and your desires in my life. Yes, Holy Spirit, break up the soil, the fallow ground, the hardened places. Remove the stumps and the rocks that life has produced in my heart. That has caused the productivity to go down in my life. And I pray, Father, tonight that you would just touch us in this place. And let us have a passion for the things of God. Let us hunger for the things of righteousness. Righteousness. Let us desire more of your presence. Let us seek you first and the kingdom of God. Then we know you'll add all of these other things to us.